Welcome right, to. Oh, sorry. sorry go ahead. No. no. I'm, I'm going to stop looking at Predator or Predator. Google Maps. Predator Maps. <laughs> predator Maps. Where are the Predators? <clears throat> All right. Here we go. They do have to tell you, so That's you should true. know. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast where we break down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator, one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And today we're talking Minute 101 of Predator. 101. 101. I know what 101 means. 101 means a lot of things. Uh, What are some things that maybe jump out to you with the number 101? Being a, a resident of the Northwest and the uh, West Coast, I West think Coast. of Highway 101. Mm. Um, have you, I'm sure you've driven on Highway 101, John. I have driven on Highway 101. So tell me more about Highway 101. Well, hi- well, let me tell you. <laughs> I, for those listeners who are unfamiliar or may live uh, elsewhere in the country, Highway 101, I believe, is the longest highway in the country. Yeah, I um, believe you're right. Yeah. And <laughs> Did it you runs... read my notes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never do that. <laughs> Where it says it's the longest highway in the country. <laughs> uh, to my credit, even if you hadn't written that down, I probably could have guessed that because it is a pretty long, damn long highway. It's a long ass highway. But it runs from uh, the northern, northwest corner, essentially, of Washington State all the way down to the southwest corner of California and just hugs the coast all the way down. Mm-hmm. What's the longest stretch of Highway 101 you've ever driven? Uh, I'm looking at the map right now, and it, shoot, it has to be map. <laughs> did you just say map? Nice. I did. <laughs> Mac, 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 Mark, Mark, I, I I think in my travels over the years, I, I I feel like I've driven every single mile of 101 in Washington, and maybe a little sure. bit in Oregon. But like the longest trip was probably just recently when over the summer we drove from you know our Seattle area home uh, up to like down to Tacoma and then across the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, and as soon as you cross that eventually you meet up with the highway 101 as it wraps around the Olympic peninsula on the East side. We took that all the way to a beach. The beach name is escaping. Oh, Crescent beach. Um, And so that was a good chunk of 101 and then drove back on that same route back home. Uh, But that thing goes all the way around the Olympic peninsula. That's pretty impressive for a uh, singular roadway. It does. It does. I I haven't done the loop around the peninsula before. I've mm-hmm. gone up as far as like you know, like Squim, Port Angeles, up there, mm-hmm. um, Port Townsend. Uh, never made it all the way around the corner, but I have driven from. My longest stretch is that I have driven 101 from Olympia, Washington, the capital of Washington. You can head out of Olympia and get on 101 pretty quick, mm-hmm. and out to Aberdeen, which is on the coast, south down the coast, over the bridge into Astoria, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And then from Astoria down to Lincoln City. Whoa, where Uh, is Lincoln City? 
Lincoln City's about another hour or two down the Oregon coast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so that's is. the longest stretch I've done. I, I did do a pretty long stretch on the California coastline one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that was a long time ago. I was like 20 years old and me and a buddy road trip down to the San Diego area. Or no, excuse me, Santa Barbara. And so for a, a good chunk of the trip, we cut over and went down 101. I can't remember how much of it it was, though. But Yeah, nifty. So, yeah, listeners, if you have 101 uh, memories, let us know in the old Predator Minute listeners palapa. Sure. Sure. What else we got for 101? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I noticed in the searching of 101 in the Wikipedia, it calls it a sexy prime, meaning it is separated by... Six mm. from uh, another prime number. Two me now. Two me One oh seven. So uh, it's. I guess, I guess it's supposed to be kind of a funny pun of a word, calling it a sexy prime, being six away from something. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe all primes are sexy in your eyes. Sure, but. they all kind of are. I think it's interesting that uh, they use the term sexy prime when it's six away. That's. Uh, <laughs> feels kind of random. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's because it derives from the German for six, which is sex. <laughs> like in National Lampoon's European Vacation, where he goes to the German house. He's like, yeah, sex means six. So they open the door. He says, hi, we're looking for sex. And they slam the door in his face. Guten Tag. Uh, my family and I are looking for sex. Schweinland. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this for a sexy prime <laughs> sexy time uh, I'm looking for other 101s in the notes and I have Taipei 101 as the former tallest building now it's the Burj Al Khalifa mm. Mm. Uh, mm. let's see the 101st Airborne Division the Screaming Eagles the sure. Light Infantry Division probably the most famous of the infantry divisions in the U.S. Army uh, specializing in air assault operations. And if you remember way back when, way back when uh, they were, when Mac and Blaine, Mac, Mac. When the clock strikes, yeah. half past six, time to head for Mac. We're uh, <laughs> first sharing their uh, flask with, possibly the jack in it and then later on mac, mac puts the flask with the jack in it on blaine's mac. dead body mac. Mac. uh i was trying to recognize analyze the sib the symbol on the flask and it looked to me kind of like a broken logo of mm. the 101 airborne division so there's a little bit of a uh, predator link there i thought that was nifty nice nice connection Hey, thanks. Uh, Any other 101s? Oh, of course, the big one to me was like anytime you say 101, you're usually referring to like the introduction college course to a certain subject like, oh, this is uh, European history 101. And it's become such a common phrase, such a common number to put out after the introduction that you can just kind of take other things that are not college courses like, oh, like uh, this is... Predator 101, we're going through with, you know, all of our explanations. Uh, like if you right. were to really rush someone through the basics of Predator, or this is like uh, shoe tying 101, like this is basic <laughs> stuff. Like you're, you're trying to explain that something is pretty much at the basic level, or the introduction level to someone. 
Yeah, right now I'm uh, working with my three-year-old on uh, butt, <laughs> butt wiping 101. Yep, yep. yep. we're still Very with our five-year-old, let me yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> 101. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we can come back to that idea of 101 uh, as we begin talking about Predator. But before we do that, um, gosh, anything happening in the world as we kind of transition to this being a year 2001 they can think of? Well, there's there's the the thing in two thousand one. Sure, the thing, <laughs> the thing, the yeah. thing that uh, do you remember? Never forget. Yep. Do you remember where you were? Never forget. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's the big thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, do you remember? I'm sure you do. Remember where you were when nine eleven happened? Yeah, I mean, because on our coast, it's what five a.m when that happens and I was just like waking up to kind of like jokey DJs uh, every morning. Like that's like my morning alarm clock. And like that morning they were just like really, really serious and they were not joking around. And I had no idea until like I went to the local Starbucks and like, it was just hearing like on the actual, you know, on the news. Cause this is 2001. This isn't like the age of cell phones yet and devices. Yeah. And um, you're probably not checking the news on a, computer unless like you're booting that thing up and waiting in the morning for half an hour yeah so that that's how i heard about it and i just remember working at the daycare that day and it was just like such a solemn serious time with with everybody I, yeah I, I remember what about you yeah that was uh it was just a real day uh i was yeah. uh i was living in a basement apartment uh in college and uh same thing i woke up uh my my roommates woke me up actually and uh we all basically just sat in front of the TV for the next eight hours. Yeah. Um, didn't do much else. Um, I mean, what else could you do at the time? Like everything got canceled and everyone was just, you know, calling family and stuff. Very surreal. Very strange time. I talked to my students about it because my students are of the age now where it's uh, before they were born, which is yep. weird. Yeah. Yep. But um, so that's always interesting to hear their perspective on it or what their thoughts are on it. And then, it's kind of cool to be someone that sort of lived through that time and I can kind of share my story with them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, but definitely. On a, definitely on surreal more times. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I said definitely uh, surreal times, but yeah, go ahead. And what were you going to, what were you going to say? I was just going to say on a more uh, uh, upbeat note, uh, there was some music in 2001. <laughs> there was definitely some music <laughs> in 2001. There was. Anything uh, stand out to you? I was, uh, we were talking about this uh, before we started recording, but a lot of this music uh, has uh, a bit of a nostalgic uh, feeling for me because this is 2001 was a time that I was, I was a junior in college. I was, uh, I was delivering pizzas for a job doing, going to class every day, didn't have a whole lot of money. And um, I spent a lot of time either listening to music and doing homework or listening to music and driving around and delivering pizzas. Cause that was my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of these songs just remind me of that time stuff like uh, Clint Eastwood by the gorillas uh, mm-hmm. was one that I listened to a lot. Um, what else is on here? Oh, Daft Punk. The Daft album was big for me. What else we got here? Oh, Jay-Z. 
I'm a guilty pleasure. I, I listen to a lot of Nelly around this time. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Nelly Furtado this time around or Nelly? No, the rapper? Nelly. Nelly oh, okay. the rapper. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. Uh, <laughs> I love that uh, song. Out- <laughs> the Outcast album that came out around this time, I really liked mm-hmm. uh, with like Miss Jackson and Bombs Over Baghdad. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that Fat Boy Slim album with Weapon of Choice on it yes. was also popular. And then you got Stand by Eminem, and that's that Eminem album is still one that I, I talked about it last time. But uh, well, that, that's where we come up with the term stands all these years later. For right, some reason, right. someone's like, I know we'll call ultra fans stands. Like, right. but I don't remember ever hearing the word stand before, say like last year or the year before. So no, it was like it's this a recent 15, 16 year gap between the popularity of that song and mm-hmm. <laughs> and the term. That's crazy. And then of course there was that song by stained called <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Do, do any of these uh, songs uh, jump out at you? Yeah. Like you mentioned Daft Punk. That was uh, me like listening to, electronic slash dance music for the first time really and that's kind of like the direction i go for uh well until like now i still like that kind of music uh probably more than pop music most of the time yeah Uh, and i I would say daft punk was a huge part of that uh let's see i wrote roiksop they're um i think they're an icelandic band they're another kind of electronic band they've been around for a while um Mm. And I discovered them like a few years. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I discovered them a few years after they came out. Came out with this big hit called Epil. Hmm. Uh, but I've listened to them for years and years and years. Uh, let's see. I had the How You Remind Me CD by Nickelback. Definitely. Uh, oh, yeah. I had the Draw Rule <laughs> album, of course, with I'm Real. All right. <laughs> Where nice. she sings at the beginning, she goes, "Are you Ellie?" And I remember for the longest time, I was thinking, like, "What is who Ellie? Is Ja Rule Ellie? No, Ja Rule is Ja Rule." Uh, and then I realized, oh, she's spelling rule. Are you Ellie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I remember really loving that song. Just I don't know. I like the mix of J Lo and Ja Rule. Uh, full disclosure, this was also the time period where um, you have a good list of like popular music from that time. Mm-hmm. This was I, I've mentioned this before. This was a time when I, I got deep into um, like the world of kind of underground hip hop and West Coast mm. uh, hip hop that was happening at the time. So that, you know, that was really what I was listening to. If I was to pull out my old CD collection from that time period to be a lot of dilated peoples and Jurassic five and hieroglyphics and black alicious and, and uh, all these, all these West coast kind of underground rap groups that, that I kind of got obsessed with for a while. Well, Jurassic five, they had the one kind of uh, they had the one hit, right? The quality control. Do I have that right? Yeah. The, they had an album called quality control that, that got pretty popular and that's how I discovered them. And then I, I kind of ended up going back and listening to a lot of their, or some of their older stuff. And then some of the members of Jurassic five spun off and did some solo projects and are, or were just involved in other, in other projects. So, Oh, I'd say the last thing was um, probably one of the first pieces uh, or the first bands that Aaron younger brother, former guest of the show, brother of the show, uh, Aaron mm. introduced me to, and that's Jimmy eat world with their mm. uh, song. They had the really hit song, the middle, but there's also their CD called bleed American. I thought was just really good across the board songs like the authority song and a praise chorus. 
<laughs> yeah, I never yeah. listened to that band much. So yeah, they're 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 yeah, quality kind of alternative rock band or just rock yeah. band. I don't know. <laughs> don't even know. Um, 2001. So it's been a few years since like a game had really come out. A video game had come out that really excited me. It's been it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. Thank you. Uh, but then like 2001 has like, I would say some of the bigger games like that still have an impact today. You have like GTA three. Yeah. Which, uh, for me was like, that's what made me buy a PS two is the killer app as they call it. Mm. Uh, and then later that year is um, halo coming out on the Xbox when the Xbox is released. And that's definitely the killer app for that. Right. Like having played that at friends' houses and having to go buy my own uh, system just for that one game. And then you have other games like the like Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, you have the second Smash Bros. You have the first Animal Crossing, which is like one mm. of the biggest hits that Nintendo has ever made. Still like selling millions of copies like on the Switch right now. Right. Uh, you have the Game Boy Advance, and it's kill- one of its killer apps was Advance Wars, which I played just a ton uh, in, in those days. I had a GameCube for <laughs> a short amount of time. I, uh, I I never knew people who owned a GameCube, and now yeah. like, I own one, but I never really ever play it. Well, I, uh, I don't really know why I had one, to be <laughs> honest. I did not have much money. I, 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 but this was the year 2001 that it came out, right? And so, yeah. Well, no, the, I, I don't know if the game did it. Did I write that? Maybe I put that in the notes. Did it come out? You, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. GameCube launched that year. It was either yeah. late 2001 or, or maybe early 2002 that I had had maybe just a good couple weeks of pizza delivery tips. <laughs> and I had just like an extra, you know, $250 that I could blow. Mm-hmm. So I was like, one day I just came out of my room and I told my roommates, I was like, I'm going to go buy a GameCube. And they were like, <laughs> and uh, do it. Do it now. Do me now. Do me now. I went and bought a GameCube. Uh, but the problem was, is that after I bought the GameCube, I never had enough money to buy games. <laughs> right. <laughs> I spent it all on the system. I think I came with a game and then I bought maybe one other game to go with it. And I never bought any more games for it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe I bought one more. Maybe I had three. But, sure, uh, sure. I think I had I had a, a racing game uh, that was like an off-road kind of buggy racing game. And mm-hmm. then I had NHL Hits, which was like the hockey version of NFL Blitz. Right. Right. I had that. Yeah. Those are the two games I actually remember having. Um, I never got into Smash Bros. Yeah. And uh, a couple years later, I was so poor and strapped for cash, I sold it so I could make rent money. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. Yeah. And that was the end of the GameCube. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, have I a never... that's the life of many GameCubes. I feel like that too. I bought some games right away, like when I bought it, I think at a yard sale a couple of years ago, and just really couldn't, I don't know. It was like investing in a new hobby almost even though like i've been playing video games all these years it was like oh man there's like a whole library i could be checking out but then i don't know i think that's around the time the switch came out and i was like oh the switch is great i'll just do this yeah this is better (laughs) this is this is better you know the one thing that has held on from the gamecube though is that controller like yeah who play smash bros still maintain that that's like the controller to use right yeah, like you can buy those style controllers for your Switch if you want, so you can play Smash Bros with it. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing that's held on. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, and kids these days, kids these days, kids these days. Uh, they they're talking about Smash all the time. So it's, yeah. it's that's a franchise that has had some legs over, gosh, yeah, the last twenty plus years. Mm. Good for them. Got but, some um, movies in two thousand one. Let's talk movies. Let's talk movies. Uh, what what stands out to you there? There's there's a lot of. I would say some some good hits, some big franchise starters. Yeah, and I'm looking over this list, and I'm realizing that I saw a lot of these movies this year. Um, either, yeah, I think I was going to see going to movies a lot. So um, let's see the ones that jump out at me. So Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. I loved when that came out. I love a good heist movie. If it's if it's if there's a heist in it, I'm watching it. Yeah, a lo- I think a there's long- a few heist movies this year. Yeah, yeah. So along those same lines, the, the movie Sexy Beast came out, mm-hmm. which is lesser known, but um, it's one of my favorites from this era. And uh, era, era. And era. Uh, so if you've never seen Sexy Beast, uh, that's a I great have. one. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, let's see. Royal Tannenbaums is fantastic. Um, you've got Training Day. You've got Memento is one of my favorites. I love Memento. Um, what else you got here? You have the heist, or is it just heist? It's either the heist or just heist. I don't remember. Oh, just heist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Gene Hackman, I think. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, Um, the score, which isn't that another heist movie? Right, right. Uh, Mulholland Drive, which is a brain bender, but uh, that's a pretty great David Lynch movie. Um, And then on the comedy side of things, one of my favorite comedies that's ever been made is wet hot American summer. Yes. Oh man. That's like one of Sarah and my favorite ones to watch together. Oh, I love it. That's hot American summer. So, yeah, so good. That's one of those movies. uh, I think Patrick Bromley on a wet hot or on wet hot on uh, (laughs) this movie said that, uh, wet hot American summer feels like a movie where a bunch of people got together and, it feels like they were getting away with something when they made mm. that movie, you know, and th- that, that is the feeling because it's so absurd and the jokes are so wacky and like it, it, it does feel like just a bunch of friends getting together and fucking around with the camera, you know? Yeah. I love just that movie, just hanging out at camp, honestly. And like so much of it feels just, I don't know, filmed in the moment. And uh, mm-hmm. like you're saying, like they're getting away with something like they just happen to catch a, a zany moment on camera and it's like, oh, we'll stitch it all together. It'll make a movie out of it. Just <laughs> doing just doing stuff just because they thought it was funny in the moment. Like there's that scene where two guys are sitting out on the floating dock and they have a whole conversation and then the camera pans out and the scene ends with one of the guys just standing up and walking right off the end of the dock. <laughs> Yes. He's like, all right, I have to go now or something like that. And he just walks. That's, I, 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 that's one of Patrick's uh, favorite parts, right? And like, that's is it? he just he just like loves how he just walks out of the movie at that point. Yeah, he doesn't or jump out of the in scene. Water. He doesn't dive. He just walks out like he's walking down a hallway, but walks off the dock and just goes <laughs> into the water. It's so like it's so random, and uh, I don't know. That's the type of humor that's all throughout that movie. I, love it. I think what, one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm just watching the clip right now. One of my favorite parts is where uh, Ken Marino and Joe Lo Trulio are arguing or something like that. And Ken drives the van back to the camp. Yeah. It just, just out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Ken Marino driving down the road, just somehow loses control and crashes into a tree. Like there's no explanation. He doesn't, you don't see anything. 
<laughs> he's singing to himself and he goes, what does he say? I'm watching it right now. He's singing in the morning when I rise. And he just goes, oh, fuck. And just bears the van into <laughs> his music. Sheet. In the morning when I rise, bring it to I- There's no reason. There's no reason why he crashes. (laughs) You know, I remember when all the counselors they they get a night off and they go into the city, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna party." And then like it goes through this crazy sequence where by the end they're all like doing heroin, yes, and like tricking themselves out for drugs. (laughs) And then they come home the next day like that was a crazy night. I was water bitter. Oh, it was really fun. Always fun to get away from camp, even for an hour. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that's due for a rewatch right there. That's oh a, man, it's, it's a fun so one. I have to watch that for date night. <clears throat> yeah. So oh, this man. is a, that's a good list. There's a lot of stuff on here. So uh, this, yeah. you mentioned some uh, franchise starters. So the Fast and the Furious came out. <laughs> no, not where I was going with that, but yeah, sure. Fast and Furious. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a F and F head. Nah, I'm not really either, but it uh, it's a franchise. Yeah, it's a franchise. Yeah, I know. I know people love it. Um, yeah. Also, starting the franchise off, Spy Kids. I haven't seen mm. any of those, but maybe as the kids are older, we'll watch some of those because those are what Richard Rodriguez films. Yeah, uh, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Sorry, I, can't, I keep saying okay. that. Richard okay. Rodriguez, former University of Michigan football coach, also directs hilarious <laughs> movies with kids as spies, and Antonio Banderas as the dad, and what Gina Carano as the mom. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. We've also uh, got the uh, Lord of the Rings. Yes, that's like one of my top five right there. The Fellowship yeah. of the Ring comes out. Uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or in Britain, it's the philosopher. I think it's everywhere but America. It's the philosopher's stone. Is that and, right? I didn't know. Yeah, that. what I read about that is that um, publishers thought that Americans would have been too dumb to understand philosopher's <laughs> stone, and so they changed it to sorcerer's stone. They're not wrong. <laughs> They're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, also, Shrek. I mean, start uh, speaking yeah. of another franchise starting up. The franchise. I, I actually like that those first couple movies. And I, I know some people really slate them, but I really enjoy the first couple. Yeah, um my kids like the first Shrek. Yeah. Yeah. Um gosh, what else? There's Jeepers another... Creepers was a franchise, but we can't talk about that movie too much because the director is is an awful human. Okay. I don't know anything about the director, but I do know the movie is really scary. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good movie. It's a scary one, but uh the the director was charged with some really terrible crimes yeah Ooh, director yeah yeah uh training day really solid movie is that the movie that wins uh denzel and oscar it is it is is, it's just an amazing performance if you want to see like a really good actor just take a serious heel turn like the mother of all heel turns go watch Mm. training day like for an irredeemable just can't take your eyes off of them kind of villain seriously seriously yeah uh, gosh, there's a lot of solid movies. I think 2000 yeah. for me wasn't doing much for movies, but then 2001, I like you, I saw a lot of these movies in theaters. Oh, I have to say The Mexican. I think that's what um, shows Brad Pitt. He's in The Mexican and uh, Ocean's Eleven, and he's in yeah. one more in this. Oh, he's I think it's Spy Game with 
Robert Redford, Richard Redford, Richard Redford, (laughs) Richard Redford, the lesser known Redford. So he's in like three of these movies, like all different kinds of movies. And I think it's really shown. He's like really showing his range here. Yeah. uh, Nice. He was a busy man in 2001. Busy, busy. Gosh. All right. Well, uh, Oh, do we need to list off the sequels before we get to Predator? Sure. A couple notable sequels uh, besides Crocodile Dundee 3 (laughs) and (laughs) Omega Code 2. Uh, You have Mummy Mm. Returns. That's the second Brendan Fraser movie. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park 3. That's the one where Sam Scott Neal makes his return. (laughs) Richard Neal. Richard Rodriguez. (laughs) Directed by... (laughs) <laughs> Richard Spiel Spielman, <laughs> the Spiel Dog. No, it's not. I don't think Jurassic Park three is. I think that's directed by someone else. Uh, you have Doctor Doolittle two, which I thought we said last time, but maybe that was hmm. maybe carried another, over from last year. Maybe <laughs> yeah, we carry over from last minute with Doctor Doolittle the sequel again. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Rush Hour two, American Pie two, so nothing really standing out to me as far as sequels. Hmm. Yeah, pretty bad sequels. We're we're I think we're past the golden age of sequels here. Yeah. Oh, Donnie Darko. There's a good college movie for you. Oh yeah, I missed that. Yeah, Along I, with your Mulholland Drive and yeah, probably no, your no. Zoolander and your Wet Hot American Summer. You have to throw <laughs> you have to throw Donnie Darko in there. The Donnie Darko Mulholland Drive double feature would be a major mindfuck. That would yes, be, that would be a good one. Yeah. Well, I think we're ready to talk Predator. I think so. Yeah. Um. My little gimmick for 101, my gimmick for 100 was saying the top, what, eight words and the least used eight words in Predator. And I thought with 101 being kind of your introduction number when you're talking about a college course, I thought, what would be an introduction to Predator? What would that class look like? What would you be required to view as a class? Would there be a paper? Would there be like character analyses? What time of day would you take this class? What are some of your learning targets oh <laughs> oh what were learning average... targets on the board <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> learning targets the center of the palapa <laughs> targets the center of the palapa what would a day in class look like i don't know do you want to tackle any of these questions for what predator um, minute predator 101 would look like predator predator 101 i guess uh for me uh especially in the beginning of this movie it's all about the characters right Mm-hmm. So I think Predator 101 for me would be like uh, I, I'm envisioning like a, a character select screen from a video game, Ooh. Um, but instead of uh, like random video game uh, characters, we're looking at the different characters of our jungle team, oh. and we we scroll through and we meet all the characters. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their weapon of choice? Weapon of uh, choice. What's what's their stamina level? Um, and then we and then we culminate with, uh, of course, Dutch, mm-hmm. who who has the highest rating on on all the bars, <laughs> who has no weaknesses. Go, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. So you're, you're you're diving right into the characters first. I like that, um, which makes sense because as you move throughout it, I, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe introduction to Predator is kind of like a daily breakdown of like a minute or a scene in chronological order of the movie. If it's like a if it's a college class, you're only meeting, uh, what is that? There's like 60 days in a trimester, yeah. <laughs> but you're not meeting all 60 days. You're meeting like 40 of those days, maybe, or 30. 
yeah. half the time. Yeah, I don't know. So well, maybe I, some kind of breakdown of, of the plot too. Sure. Yeah, and uh, but I like the characters as an entry point because the, mm-hmm. the the story or the plot itself is is honestly it's pretty straightforward, right? Yes. Like except for like the little sort of mini half-assed twist with uh, with Dylan. Um, it's really just about a group of guys going out into the jungle. They they run into an alien. The alien kills them off one by one, and then there's a final showdown. Right? Like that's it's it's a pretty simple story to convey. But what makes Predator great, the film, is is meeting this cast of characters mm-hmm. and getting to know them for the first you know forty five minutes of the movie or whatever it is before they get uh, systematically picked off. So Ooh. yeah. I like that. And maybe like the people in the class cannot have seen Predator and they cannot watch it until like you are showing it in class or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, oh, you learned all about these characters. You really like these characters. Oh, there they go. Sorry, Hawkins. Oh, sorry, plain so fans. Yeah. <laughs> no time to bleed indeed. I ain't got time to bleed. So the wounds all cauterized and then you could, you, then you could analyze their deaths. Oh my gosh, you could go so deep into this. I can't imagine spending... Hours and hours at a time, though, talking about it. That'd be crazy. Yeah, that's great. Who would ever do that? Who would ever do that? Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you talked, or you talked, but you, you're talking about the summary being of the plot being kind of simple. Well, I went ahead and, and assigned the listeners in the Predator Minute listeners palapa. You gave them homework. Uh, yeah, I gave them some homework. I said, if you could please, you know, donate for the, the purpose of science, uh, a summary in 10 words or less of the plot of Predator. And please do so by right now, you know, eight o'clock Thursday, right. <laughs> 20, Thursday, October 29th. And we, we received a few responses. I don't know if you want to like maybe trade off some and maybe we'll do ours last. Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, All right. Here, I'm, I'm pulling them up right now. Right. So let me, well, I'll go uh, first. Alan Batchelder, former yeah, go. guest of the show, friend of the show. Uh, he says, angry iguana attacks bag of green army men. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty uh, good. Of, Love the imagery. That's a hilarious imagery. Yeah. Uh, Brian Campus says, a hunter collects skulls to remember his trip to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably why he did it. Timmy Bricks yeah. uh, says, aliens holiday ruined by swearing soldiers. Badass bush. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Deutsch. It's all bullshit. Set us up. You set us up. It's all bullshit. Says testosterone junkies always defeat their enemies until now. He's alien. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to skip to the second Alan uh, Batchelder contribution. He says terror tadpole attacks MAGA fans. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Getting political. Getting political with the governor. Blake Kirby, Kibby, excuse me. Blake Kibby says immigrant attacks U.S. Army in South American jungle. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. That kind of inspired what I wrote. But I'm going to read off uh, host of the show, Jeff Glover, hmm. saying extraterrestrials. <laughs> I'm going to have to restart that. <laughs> I read it before, like today, then I read it again. Extraterrestrials, sexual advances, <laughs> misinterpreted by Jungle Rescue Team. <laughs> we are rescue team, not assassins. Uh, do me now. Do me now. <laughs> do me now. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> oh. uh, John Zabriskie, friend of the show, says, uh, Deadly Invader liquefies lads. Only Neanderthal manages alien cremation. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, you, I don't know if you could tell what I was going for, but I was going for the old acrostic, which acrostic. is sorry. Acrostic is a kind of poem where you take the first letter of every word and you turn that into a word, and then you have the whole word there as the capital. Oh, I see oh. it. Oh, deadly invader liquefies lads. Only Neanderthal manages alien cremation. <laughs> Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Dylan, 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 Dylan. Mac. 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 <laughs> well done. Well thank done. Thank you. Thank you. That's I, I, I was inspired partly by Blake's immigrant comment and then Alan's capitalizing all the first uh, letters of his words. Right. His. right. So, so thank you listeners so much for contributing to uh, yeah. Predator 101. If, if you had to write, you know, a, a summary paper in 10 words or less, how would you do it? It can often be more challenging than you think uh, trying to include everything that a movie is putting out there in 106 minutes. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Uh, John, I don't think we ever heard your minute 101 opens with. Sure, let's run it through right now. Minute 101 opens with the Predator reaching over to his side, and it ends with a helicopter pilot yelling, Holy shit! That's a great holy shit, by the way. It is, holy and it's shit. And it ruins our dialogue-free minute. Like, it was going to be dialogue-free until he, yeah, had to dirty the airways with curses and swears. Ruin the dialogue-free minute. Doing it by going, holy shit, is pretty Might as well. Yeah, just just go for the gonzo. Or no, go for the gusto. The gonzo. Go for the the Richard Rodriguez. Go for the... Did you have you ever seen that uh, Saturday Night Live skit where it's like one of their fake commercials and it's for it's it's like a mom translator and you use it when your mom's like, what's the name of that guy in that movie? Um, Jonathan Johansson. And then they like type it in and it goes, Jake Gyllenhaal. Kite Carbonaw. Then enter whatever vague information your mother knows about this person. She's on TV and she's crazy. And seconds later, you'll have the translation. Oh, Kim Kardashian. Yeah, she's crazy. And she's like, yes. <laughs> oh, that sounds familiar. That's hilarious, though. Yeah. What's, what's the name of it? Uh, director Richard Rodriguez, yeah. Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. All right, first part, <clears throat> uh, second zero, all the way up to second thirty-five. We carry over from last minute. We continue to see the extreme close-up of the predator's face as he looks to his left. He reaches over with his blade hand to open up his left wrist gauntlet, slides his finger across a swipey button taps away on some of his buttons and his gauntlet starts making a beeping sound. Red, strange characters appear in once blank panels on the wrist blade. And as the beeping intensifies in speed and pitch, the characters disappear from the panels. The predator begins laughing like Billy and Dutch looks away. Nice. Looks back at the laughing predator, then looks away again as he runs out of the frame. The second to last panel's characters blink out, and we see the predator one last time in extreme close-up as he appears to be physically laughing to the sound of the replicated Billy laugh. Mm -hmm. End of the first part. 
Wow. I like Things that. are really ramping up here. Things are really, uh, really ramping up. He, he's been escalated very quickly. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> it, cer- it certainly did, Dutch. Uh, I mean, Predator didn't waste much time <laughs> in pressing the self-destruct sequence on his wrist, on his wrist gauntlet. It's, it's what the hell are you? He's, you know, he spits up a bit of green goo and then he's like, all right, <laughs> we're pushing the buttons. He really does not. He, I mean, this, uh, in all seriousness, this, he must, uh, be very, very aware of how close to death he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so he must know that he's not coming back from this and, uh, yeah. and yeah, it, straight towards self-destruct. Yeah. And he has enough energy though. He has enough life in him to, to, <laughs> to enjoy the moment though, because he is, he's laughing and, it's weird because the previous minute where they say, what the hell are you to each other? I didn't think the predator knows what he's saying. Other yeah. people online would probably disagree and say like, Oh, it's like uh, symbolism for, they're not that different from each other. Like they are sorry, but they are they're very <laughs> different from each other. Sorry. They're a rescue team, not assassins. They're not like a big game hunter, like the predator. We are rescue team, not assassins. Uh, but this one, it's like the predator is, clearly mimicking Billy's laugh from earlier from Hawkins second joke. Yeah. But the predator is shaking. Like he is laughing. Like, like I believe it's hard. It's hard for me to, to think that this is a recording that he's playing more than um, the predator actually laughing and just trying to copy that laugh and knowing he's laughing, like just this dastardly villainous laugh to try to take Dutch with him. Yeah. It's um, it's, it's kind of hard to interpret exactly what's going on there. But uh, one thing is for sure, he is, in his final moments, he is still taunting Dutch with the sounds of his dead comrades, right? Yes. He's still finding a way to, like, throw that in his face. And it is creepy and disturbing by how unaffected he is by his own death. Mm-hmm. Right. He very, very quickly and, and, you know, without really any hesitation goes, goes towards that, uh, his, his beeping wristband and, and he's not acting scared at all. He's laughing maniacally. <laughs> I, just, kind of I just thought of a, sorry, I have to interrupt. I just thought oh, for God. some reason I thought Fitbit and then I thought the name of his <laughs> wrist gauntlet, the way it bombs and blows everything up, it should be called the quit bit. Quit bit. The quit bit. <laughs> quit bit. <laughs> up the quit bit quit bit uh how many steps zero (laughs) (laughs) don't worry i'm not planning on getting up (laughs) quit bit (laughs) oh man Uh, sorry i interrupted sorry sorry sorry. no no i was i was finished so yeah when he turns on the quit bit quit bit uh it is it's kind of crazy how uh easily and nonchalantly he does it it's it's i think you wrote that it's one of his uh kind of scariest characteristics and i have to agree yeah, just that character who's not afraid of death, like you're learning that now, is is essentially like an unstoppable character, someone who's not afraid right. to die. Except he does, you know, evade uh, gunfire at times, and he's he's not just going down without a fight. But uh, the moment he's feeling he's spitting up too much green goo, that's the moment he goes to meet God and tries to take yeah. his character, his antagonist with him. Oh, hold on, Sarah's yelling at me. Sure. Did you catch all that, Jeff? I couldn't really hear her. No. Oh, okay. She was saying that uh, our common fear of mortality makes it exciting when you come across a character. Exciting. And what was the other word? Sure. In this case, it's the bad guy who doesn't fear death. Oh, 
So I could see it being like a moment if the hero is like that, you'd be like, oh, like in awe in the right way. But I guess looking at this character, I, I feel like it's it, there's a, another layer of mystery around the Predator. Like, oh, why doesn't why no, doesn't the Predator race fear death? Um, why why wouldn't they be, uh, you know, fearing their own mortality? Right. Like, why why is he not afraid of death at all? Like that that aspect of his character is is frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and just makes him more menacing and makes him uh, an even better villain for this movie. So uh, it's it's a great little kind of twist they put on his personality, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they could have made him crying and screaming and reaching for his wrist in agony, but they don't. They, yeah, he's going he, with a laugh. Yeah, he does it while laughing and with confidence, and uh, that's uh, that's terrifying. Yeah, just just another layer of terror, mystery, creepiness. Um, we're at this point when the counter is beeping down. We're as an audience, and Dutch is realizing as a character, we're not going to learn anything else about the predator from what little we know. Like that's it. That's the end of the story. Yeah, um, the predator is, is signing off here. We're not going to learn anything about the ship, other than what we saw at the very very beginning with like the little tiny pixel of that represented the drop ship. Uh, we're not going to learn about his culture or like any more about his purpose of hunting the big game. It's just, he, he's out. He's out. Yep. He's gone. It's all left in mystery. And it's one of the, the great things about this movie is how tight they keep it and how they leave a lot of the backstory to your own imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought I definitely felt some like George Lucas Spielberg moment kind of like at the end of, I've said it before, like of an Indiana Jones movie where like the, the big meat God moment is happening where, mm. you know, Indy's in a, in a situation where he might meet God or a mystical character or a heavenly figure. Uh, the music really plays up to that too. These big horns and the symbols. The, yeah. uh, as uh, the countdown is initiating and Arnold is running away. Um, but yeah, I, I love the look of the alien technology here. I think this is a good look at it. If you want to see another good look at it, just watch the predator healing himself scene where he's mm-hmm. opening up like all sorts, like little doodads and healing himself. But this is uh yeah, I, I, <laughs> for one, I like how he opens up the, or how he, uh, I don't know what he unlocks his screen. He swipes his humongously nailed finger to the right is like broop. And yeah. then he starts pushing the buttons. Yeah, that is, that's a strangely um, kind of prophetic, like in how devices in present day work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. He just kind of swipes it to unlock it. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you think that? that, I mean, I think what we saw before that um, gauntlet was um, helping him turn invisible, like uh, and that short circuits though, when Dutch hits him with the explosive arrows. So it's oh, yeah. uh, pretty impressive. It can take a walloping and, and still, do the job of uh, maintaining what looks to be a humongous explosion later on. Look, the quit bit is made for serious, serious jungle hunting. Quit bit. So if you are trying to take zero steps and destroy yourself, buy yourself a quit bit. Quit bit. Because <laughs> ironically, the one thing the quit bit won't do is quit on you. Quit bit. <laughs> you put that on the commercial. Quit bit. Uh, now, John, you uh, noticed that this is somewhat of a, a trope in in uh, certain uh, films. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, he's he's actually rolling a bunch of tropes into one. He's rolling mm-hmm. the uh, sore loser trope into the self-destruct trope into what I um, wrote down as the taking you with me trope from the yeah. TV tropes entry where it says, you're really in trouble now. You've been defeated, captured, or otherwise humiliated by your enemies and are now at their mercy. But you've got one last ace up your sleeve. The only problem is this final attack is going to spell death for you as well as your enemies. But hey, you're going to die anyway. Might as well try to take some of them down with you. And I wrote down some examples. And what I thought was interesting was the sore loser was more from like the villain's perspective and the taking you with me was more from the hero's perspective of uh, uh, movies and TV shows. But all that changed was like their side of the story. Right. Um, but all the same, the taking you with me was more interesting than the sore loser. There weren't enough sore loser um, examples where people are basically taking themselves down uh, with their enemies. But any of those examples uh, uh, catch your attention? Uh, I, th- you wrote down Tom Cruise and edge of tomorrow, which is yes. a, a movie. I love, I love that movie. Um, you also mentioned, so, uh, you mentioned predator two, but I don't remember the part of predator two. It was inverted uh, in predator two because he tries to set off the same wrist nuke. And you've talked about this before. Danny Glover, Harrigan oh, takes the right. saw or the blade and cuts off the, the arm, which apparently deactivates it. Got it. Got it. That's right. That's right. He chops off the arm and uh, then he can't self-destruct. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot about mm-hmm. that part. Um, so yeah, that sticks out of me. And then the other one was uh, Hector in Breaking Bad, not a movie, yes. but a great TV show. Yes. Uh, that is an excellent example of where he is old. He can't talk anymore. He's at the last stage of his life. How can he get back at his enemy? Um, and in, you know, I don't want to spoil too much for anyone that maybe hasn't seen Breaking Bad, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, he let's just say he gets back at, at his enemy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, about you? Just, yeah. Um, I said, I don't, I only know the clip because I never watched Game of Thrones, but I know there was like all this hype around the Sandor versus Gregor fight. Mm. Uh, the two brothers um, were at the end, uh, the, the quote unquote good brother takes out the bad brother by just, jumping off like the castle ledge together to take him out. Finally. Oh, um, let's see alien three at the end where Ripley grabs the chest burster as she's falling into the molten steel or whatever she's falling oh, yeah, in. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Uh, another alien connection is aliens uh, Gorman and Vasquez blowing themselves up in the yep. uh, passageway to stop the aliens. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think what else the uh, the Balrog in Lord of the Rings. Hey, from 2001, that fits. There you go. Uh, Gandalf says, "You will not pass. You shall not pass." And then breaks the bridge as the Balrog falls. It whips up, grabs Gandalf, taking him with him. That's right. And then yeah. um, <laughs> what I had to end on was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two. There's the end where <laughs> Shredder has become the Super Shredder due to the super secret of Shredder. the ooze and starts breaking the dock, and then. Do you think there's going to be this big showdown between him and the turtles, but the turtles are like yelling to the shredder, like you're going to take us all down with you. And you got to listen to reason. You're going to destroy us all. Uh, Are you going to bring this whole thing down on us? And like shredder knows it and doesn't care and like keeps coming after them. And then the whole dock falls and Mm. the shredder is gone at that point. But uh, the turtles are fine. Of course. Poor super shredder. Poor Super Shredder. <laughs> uh, I guess, the, and there's also like this second part, just to kind of 
cut across the different halves of the minute. Um, there's a lot of moments in video games, maybe before this, but definitely a lot after this, where you beat the last bad guy and you have to book it out of there before the whole thing goes down. Right, right. This, yeah, that this is definitely a common, reminds me of that. Yeah, that's a very common uh, way to end a boss battle or whatever, especially at the very end of a of a game. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. probably the best one that comes to my mind is Super Metroid when you defeat the Mother Brain. Um, the whole base just comes crumbling down. You have like a minute left, and you're like, huh, huh, "This is more stressful than actually fighting the Mother Brain." <laughs> yeah, the that's- very end of uh, Super Mario Odyssey for the Switch. Uh, oh yeah a great sequence where you turn into bowser and you have to escape a crumbling bowser castle that's pretty right you think it's going to be like over over but it's not it's like oh the whole thing has to come down just like predator just like predator yeah predator 101 baby (laughs) you're gonna see this a lot more in your video games and movies (laughs) (laughs) all right should we get to the second half here let's do it let's second half away Okay, second part from second 36 all the way to the end. We cut to Dutch running towards the camera through the jungle as the predator's billy laugh is cut short by a small explosion. Dutch keeps running and hopping over logs. We see electricity and sparks crackling up in the background. They're crackling the background trees where the predator was lying. We see a red ball rise up into the sky in slight slow motion. The ball turns into a fireball and finally the fireball seems to implode for turning the sky and then the screen bright white as Dutch jumps over one last log. Log! Log! To a, to a, and we cut to a helmeted figure in a helicopter saying, Holy shit! End minute. <laughs> All right, so it is uh, confirmed here that the Predator is in the process of self-destructing. Oh my gosh, you're right. I have to add to the kill count. Yeah, uh, I, I feel bad because I didn't prepare um, my traditional uh, thing for when uh, one of our characters dies, but I promise I will do it for our next episode. Sure, we can we can definitely wait it out until then. So, yeah, yeah. If you want to go ahead and write that right now, I'll just kind of wait here and uh, just chill. Uh, it might be good for next episode anyway because that's <laughs> when we really find out that the predator is is uh, well is is he or is he not? We will find out. Um, but it sure seems like it because this is quite the explosion that we get here. Pretty, yeah. uh, pretty my, my my theory, my watching tells me as soon as he stops laughing with like that first little minor explosion. Yeah. Uh, which is about second 42. Second 42, his last big like, <laughs> like humongous laugh is cut short by some miniature explosions in comparison to what ultimately happens. Yeah. Uh, this is a per- pretty dramatic explosion here. One of the better effects that we get in the movie. And I really like how it, it's preceded by the uh, kind of the electrical storm that happens. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like Terminator electric storm. If you. Yeah. Know that yeah. Yeah. We get all these. We get all these fingers of lightning that are kind of jumping from tree to tree and sort of arcing and flying up into the sky. And then that sort of ends in it, and we see that little implosion and then the big white explosion. It's just a very cool sequence. So you watch it now and it, and it you know it looks like 80s special effects, but it's just so endearing. I, I just love it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot that 
ties it together to make it iconic. And it's one of the moments I definitely think about when I think about predators, this running away, um, the predator having one last trick up his literal sleeve. Quit bit. Yeah, right. Uh, with like the imagery and like the music that, it's still so intense. And the music doesn't cut out until like basically the explosion wipes it out. And it, it's so interesting. Well, why do you think all the electricity? What What is that about? What is with the like the uh, emperor's electricity happening? Yeah, it is the emperor's electricity. That's a good question. Uh, I wonder if uh, whatever his his self-destructing device is something extremely powerful. So I can only guess that uh, whatever sort of energy that it's creating before it reaches its point of explosion is causing some sort of electrical reaction. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that electrical field is like arcing out from him. And I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Maybe there's some humongous uh, static buildup or something like that as the, I don't know, the atmosphere is sucked in there before it all explodes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it has something to do with vacuums or energy dark matter. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, do you mind if I read a little bit what I just searched on the Xenopedia? Please. About the, uh, the Yaucha or the predator as we commonly know him. Right. Uh, yeah. It says here that defeat in a hunt is apparently a cause of great shame to the Yaucha and often mm. leads to the individual committing honorable suicide, typically through the detonation of their wrist gauntlets self-destruct device. Quit bit. Upon mm. their death, so you want a little bit of extra information you never asked for. Upon their death, a hunting Yaucha's spacecraft will return to the species' homeworld on automatic pilot so that a record of the individual's hunt recorded through their biohelmet may be returned to its kin. Uh, I don't know what that means. Maybe their biohelmet recorded things to the cloud, but I don't know. But I, well, I guess his biohelmet, he left that in the, the swamp, the swamp, right. like a few minutes he, ago. Yeah, he remember he throws that down on the ground. He's not putting that thing back on. It's all muddy and wet now. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so he, he he must have been feeling shame, but he was able to laugh through the shame. Yeah, see, mm. that's where it doesn't quite match up. Is is he doesn't seem ashamed, does he? He's maybe this is maybe that's just his way of masking it, right? Is projecting right. that uh, projecting that uh, bravado. <laughs> well. <laughs> wow, the Xenopedia mm. really goes into depth about predators uh, the, the one little fun fact i'll throw in there is that it says yaucha also visited the planet earth to hunt humans as well in fact the species has been linked with the re- destruction of the ancient mayans in central america jeff i think wow. we stumbled onto something here you need to add this to your curriculum <laughs> I, th- I think when i teach mayan civilization i'm like well, okay, there are a lot of theories, but like what really happened was the predator became super shamed and <laughs> he was not going to let that civilization just keep kicking around uh, his corpse after he was gone. Nope. So it's interesting. So there's a mix of emotions the predator must be feeling in this minute 101. Yeah. He's feeling shame, but also like a bit of a little bit of gloating if he's really laughing or maybe the way he expresses shame, Jeff, is through laughter, kind of like a clown. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Now, do we want to add this to the kill count right now, or should we wait until next minute? I can do a proper, uh, a proper celebration of the predator's life. 
Yeah, let, let, maybe let's let's give it let's give it a second. You're right. I think I think you're onto something. Let's uh, hold off. Matt. Okay. Maybe like maybe one last look and at the environs to see if uh, the predator is truly dead after <laughs> nuking itself. <laughs> well, we gotta we gotta make sure we'll go make sure the dust settles. Make sure there's nothing there. And then we can uh, we can have a proper celebration of the predator's life. But this is, uh, you know, um, we're we're joking around a little bit, but but this does mark the the end of the the predator, um, the yeah, end of the movie. And so this is it's kind of a big deal here. Yeah, we don't see his face or his. Well, I'll spoil. We don't we don't really see any part of his body, just bodies uh, after just this. Bodies. Just yeah. bodies. Just bodies. Um, so he 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 leaves uh, the movie and one form or another. Um, I think it's up in smoke, but we'll have to see. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going to be missing him. Like talking about him for whatever, talking about his namesake movie for the last few minutes here. Yeah. But we will get uh, to see uh, what Dutch does next. What is his plan of attack? How does he escape from this jungle now that he's finally uh, bested his foe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if, if, if uh, like someone was saying before, if he was kind of playing a little bit of uh, coy wounded to lure the predator in, I, I have to think he's in quite a different state now, having uh, been almost wiped off the, the earth. But we don't know either. Maybe maybe Dutch died in this explosion. I don't know. We'll find if you out. Look, at that, look at that screenshot. It's, it's very like reminiscent for me of like... Uh, seeing like the flashes of like people's outlines after like a nuke goes off, you know, it's like, look at that screenshot. It's like, Like he's basically one big shadow. It's like a Terminator two screenshot of the the blast. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm. T2, another Arnold movie with old painless, of course. That's right. Well, we shall find out and we will talk about it extensively next minute. And I will, um, we will finally, uh, Put our friend Predator officially to rest. So uh, I'll look forward to that, listeners. I'll, I'll be preparing a, a nice eulogy for our, our friend, the Predator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And right. uh, I, I think what I'll leave with is John McCommentary. He, he starts piping in some uh, a little bit of information here. Ooh, look at that. Thanks, John. Yeah, look at that. Thanks, John, for popping in. He says, <laughs> I'm sorry, John, but he was... He, you're mumbling so much. He's mumbling a lot in the commentary and I totally can't understand what he's saying here. I'll, I'll explain. He says we had no difficulty. And then he's like, blah, 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 that he had set off a nuclear bomb. I couldn't tell if he was talking about the effects team pulling off the effect of setting off the nuclear bomb, or if mm. he's talking about the predator setting off the nuclear bomb. Cause he doesn't explain it much further. He says it's a fairly complex idea. And that was originally going to happen in the spaceship. And this is where I can link to the script here. Hmm. Uh, the script at this point shows Dutch running away from the ship as it shakes and whines. He dives over an embankment as a blinding purple flash blows the ship to pieces. Now, I don't I don't know if this is a f- purple flash necessarily, but there's definitely purples in the lightning. You can you might call it like kind of a white purple sky before the white really overtakes sure. everything. Yeah, because it's got some some browns and reds and purples in it. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so slightly different ending with the uh, the predator being blown up in the spaceship uh, versus blowing himself up um, like here in the movie. But I, I quite enjoy the character who does not fear death and trying to just <laughs> right. end his enemy along with himself. 
Yeah, it's very kamikaze, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. There's some real life examples. Way to go. Yeah. Tied into real life. Right. Uh, right. Who, I was not going to say the other one. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we already talked about that one. <laughs> right. All right. Well, um, should we wrap things up here with some weekly recommends for our dear listeners? Let's wrap up some things and recommend things to people. My recommend is easy. It's obvious. It's uh, by the time this uh, goes uh, gets uh, dropped onto the internets, all of you will probably have already watched this. But I am recommending the new Borat movie, the Borat sequel, uh, titled something like Borat Subsequent Movie Film, <laughs> and. Uh, it's pretty great. It's just more Borat and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is just a genius at inserting himself into um, other cultures, if you want to call it that, uh, other people's worlds and, and exposing the hypocrisies that exist therein. And uh, just like the first Borat uh, did that perfectly he does it several times in this movie as well um i don't want to spoil any of the interactions because uh you just have to watch it and enjoy but yeah it's it's free on amazon prime so you can go there and watch it right now if you have an amazon prime subscription check it out my wife cool i will do that uh were there any like specific interactions that stood out that without spoiling anything there is a (laughs) scene where Borat takes his daughter to a southern debutante ball. Oh, man. And uh, at one point, him and his daughter do a a dance together that is... (laughs) Inappropriate? (laughs) Indescribably inappropriate. (laughs) The reaction on the people's faces is absolutely priceless. So uh, I won't uh, spoil what makes it so inappropriate, but... uh, (laughs) whatever you're thinking of it's worse than that so <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay i'll have to check that out because you said that's on prime right it is yep free right okay. now hey yeah hey speaking what? of free right now hey hey i'm not even there yet but um my recommend would be the nintendo switch game mario 35 i don't know if you've heard of this but it's a- i have did you get it to work yeah, that's right. We were talking about how I was struggling to make it work. Yeah, yeah it just turns out that with Zach's account all um, also logged into my Switch, that for some reason, like when he downloaded to his Switch under his account, like it was assuming that my Switch also was downloading just to his account. So I was able to like switch accounts and like go to his account and make sure it would download to my account and switch back to my account to play under my name, Pwn wow. Noobzors. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been quite uh, the fun play. It's if you don't know, if listeners don't know Mario Thirty Five, it's um, them basically making a battle royale version of Super Mario Brothers One from the NES days. <laughs> That's a great just, idea. It's it's an awesome idea because it's just already such a classic game. It's such like a simple con. Excuse me, such a simple concept of a game. It's so straightforward. The mechanics are just really solid. Uh, and then to throw the added bonus of competing against other people to see how long you can last and <laughs> um, surviving yeah, the different Super Mario Brothers levels, it's just a ton of fun. Like as you're stomping your enemies, those enemies are sent to different players' uh, games. So they're trying to like battle the normal enemies, but also the enemies other people are dropping into there. It's kind of like, I guess, Tetris or Tetris 99. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, this sounds in that regard, fun. 
but I was yeah. never a Tetris fan, but I'm a big Mario fan. This is just right up my alley, hitting like the nostalgia, but also like giving me kind of a glimpse into like the big popular style of games today. So that's Mario 35 on the Switch. And if you have a Nintendo Online subscription, which is I think $20 a year, uh, yeah. it's just a free download that you can go find in the eShop and then play away. It's pretty quick and it's fast paced. It's uh, really satisfying to even place like you know, in the top, I don't know, 20 or 25, even though yeah. there's 35 playing. Um, I have one one time I've I've won first place. Ooh, good job. Pretty intense, yeah. In Tetris 99, the best I've ever done is third place. It's incredibly difficult. Mm. Yeah. I never never played that just because it was It's intense. It's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Too intense. So uh, speaking of being too intense, Jeff, where can people <laughs> find you on the Twitter? That was a good one. Thank you. I am on the Twitter. Uh, I am Jeff Glover. Find me there, Carl underscore Hungus314. My name is Carl been expert. Come follow me on the Twitter. John, where can we find all things Predator Minute? Ooh, I'm glad you asked. You can find on Twitter the Predator Minute. Oh, that's terrible. I'm doing that all passive voice. Okay. Uh, we are on Twitter at Predator Minute. You can email the show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com, or you can join the much aforementioned listeners group on Facebook titled the Predator Minute Listeners Palapa. Target's the center of the 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 Palapa. Uh, go there if you don't have Facebook, just join so you can go there and comment mm-hmm. on things while we're in our last little run towards the end of the movie. Man, we are getting close. Crazy, yeah. crazy close. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy close. So yeah. for all things Predator Minute 101, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Holy shit. Holy <laughs> 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 It's been a while. <laughs> 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 oh man. Oh, that was going to be the year 2000 drop. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.